Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for the leaders in Christ's church. I'm Andrew Cook. It's great to be together once more. In this series on Ephesians, we come to some very well-known verses. And we're joined by Malcolm Ryan in A Pastor Talks. Currently, here on Serving Today, we're working our way through the Epistle to the Ephesians in the New Testament with help from Ray Tibbs. The passage we've arrived at this time is probably one of the best known from Ephesians. Unsurprisingly, it's often preached on at weddings. Yes, that's right. We're starting to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. The exhortation at the beginning of these verses is, Wives, submit yourselves. Paul applied the essentials of his message to different groups within the church. He was concerned to highlight the distinctive features of the Christian life in the context of an unbelieving world, and so to foster spiritual mindedness within the church. The keynote for this next section is found in verse 21 in the previous section, with the reference to submission. The same word is used in relation to the church and to wives, meaning to order their lives giving due weight to the relationship in which they find themselves. They were not to act independently of the other party. Well, you've just mentioned Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Let's remind ourselves of what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then come verses 22 to 24, which are our focus this time. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So, Ray, what's the first heading going to be here? Well, the first heading is submission. The exhortation is that as a Christian wife has surrendered her self-governance to Christ, she must do the same to her husband as well. She has given herself over twice. Indeed, part of her obedience to Christ is submission to her husband, for that is God's ordering of creation. A domineering or self-assertive woman is against God's order. The husband should determine the course of their life together, and the wife should trust him to do so believing that his choices are best for the family. She may offer her opinion, but should not stand against him when he asserts his own, even if she believes him to be wrong. And Ray, how does this work if one spouse isn't a believer? This applies to wives married to non-Christian husbands as well, except 
when the claims of God must take precedence, the wife should respect her husband, both in terms of his position in the family and in his own person. Verse 33. Her esteem and love for him produces a desire to please him, even to the extent of her being fearful that she might cause him offence. Are there any other areas of life that might affect a wife's submission to her husband? The working wife should not put herself in a position of having to be more submissive to her boss than she is to her husband. And does the headship of the husband affect the wife in the world of work? Well, there are biblical examples and exhortations of women who work and who are in positions of responsibility in their working life. So there is nothing wrong in a woman having a position of responsibility outside the home. She must beware, though, that that responsibility doesn't take precedence over her home life and cause her to neglect her home life. So what might be a good test here? Prior to marriage, the prospective wife should ask herself, will I be able to respect my future husband and submit to him? Paul repeated this exhortation in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, It's there in Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, and also Peter makes the same point in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 6. As with submission to Christ, submission to the husband ought to be voluntary, because it is right, as well as sincere, enthusiastic and wholehearted. Clearly then, the biblical pattern is for wives to submit to their husbands in a way that imitates the church's submission to Christ. What about husbands? How should we understand what Ephesians 5 verse 22 to 24 have to say to them? Well, it brings us to the second heading of headship. The order of creation was that man was made first with the woman made to help him. Headship points to connection. Neither acts separately from the other. When a man acts, he does so out of consideration for the woman, and vice versa. Their relationship is therefore complementary, each serving the other in the ways which are suitable for both. When we think of headship, we shouldn't only think of submission. We should also think of identity, because the head contains not only the brain giving out instructions, but it also contains the face. And it is by the face that the body is known. And so that too should govern the relationship between husband and wife, not only one submitting to the other, but also being identified by the other. And Ray, is the husband's headship just about marriage itself, or is there more to it than that? The headship of the husband is a reminder to them both of the headship of Christ. As head, the husband should set an example of Christ's likeness 
and therefore make it easier for his wife to submit to him. The governance of the church by Christ ultimately brings glory to him, and in the process the church will benefit. But the church exists mainly for the honour of him. Because Christ is the saviour of the church, the welfare of the church depends upon him, not on the church itself. Similarly, the wife is dependent upon her husband for her well-being. Any conduct of hers which reflects badly upon her husband shows she is pleasing herself and not being submissive to him. The wife's role is to honour her husband, and in so doing, she will be blessed herself. Thank you very much, Ray, and next time we'll see how a husband's headship is to be lived out as we look at the verses that follow. You're listening to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. Do you sometimes feel small and insignificant? Well, in the occasional series of Pastor Talks, Malcolm Ryan has some good news for you, which begins with a story. A young lad was travelling by train on his way to visit his grandparents and he was sitting beside a man who happened to be a university professor. The professor noticed that the boy was reading a Sunday school handout, and he thought he'd have some fun with him. Young man, said the professor, if you can tell me something God can do, I'll give you a big shiny apple. The boy thought for a moment, then replied, Mister, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole box of apples. As the prophet Jeremiah prayed, Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing? Really? Yes, really. So much so that God didn't need to set up a heavenly factory in order to make everything. It didn't all roll off a production line conveyor belt. Instead, he just spoke it all into existence. And even though experts reckon there are a mind-boggling 100 billion and more galaxies in the universe, in a manner of speaking, that's a tiny drop in the ocean when we're talking about God's power. God is all-powerful, and this means he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. In Psalm 8, David writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Now, isn't that something? Our all-powerful God is also our all-caring God. Just think about it. You'd think that you and I would be the least concern of our great big creator God. But actually, the reverse is true. And if you can tell me of another human being God doesn't care about, I'll give you a whole tree full of apples. So no matter what challenges you might be facing, as we're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, you can cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Now, sometimes God chooses 
not to still the storm in our lives, but instead to go through it with us. Why? Because we have lessons to learn, character to build, and faith to develop. And as we journey through a storm with God, coping with one challenge after another, we can say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, verse 13. So, how big is God? He's so big that as Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 3, verse 20, he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. And it's wonderful to know that within the heart and life of every believer, this unimaginably great big God is carrying out his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan for helping us to see our God in all his glorious greatness. Well, that brings this edition of Serving Today to a close. We trust that you found the programme helpful in your ministry. If you want to contact us about anything you've heard, you can get in touch with us. The details follow in just a moment. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye, and may our great God bless you richly in Christ. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.